Yes, I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, November the 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2016. The last two Sundays, we dealt with two items that were really not parts of Pentecost because Reformation is celebrated as close to Reformation as possible. And yesterday was All Saints Day, which always comes after Reformation. Well, now we're at the 26th Sunday after Pentecost with readings from Malachi 4, 2 Thessalonians 3, and Luke chapter 21. And of course, we're getting near the end of the year, and so there will be a number of Sundays prior to Advent where we talk about the end times. And one of the verses I want to look at this day from Luke chapter 21 certainly talks about the end times. Now, I know our listeners in the United States of America are definitely contemplating the election tomorrow. There are all kinds of predictions as to who's going to win. And I just was listening to something which said that it doesn't matter who's win, who's going to win, it's going to be a problem in the United States. I don't know if that's true or not, but we're going to have to wait and see. Well, when you read from Luke chapter 21, it kind of sounds like it's talking about our day. Verse 10, Jesus says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Well, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we have many nations in, in the Near East who are opposed to not only one another, but also to the United States of America. And in fact, I just saw a little short film about the British Navy. They have a new destroyer, whereas previous destroyers could put their radar on one missile and destroy it. This destroyer can put its radar on up to 32 missiles and destroy them. And th that, that's really something. And, and a lot of people are upset in the United Kingdom because it's a $1 billion cost for each destroyer, and they're going to be building more than one. But the government feels that they need to be prepared. They've had some incidents recently where they did not feel they were as prepared as they should have been, and they're hoping that this destroyer will have them better prepared. So nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Then it says there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. Well, I'm driving in, listening to the news. They had an earthquake in Oklahoma over the weekend. And then, of course, we know of many who are hungry due to famines and pestilences. Then it says there will be tares and great signs from heaven. Now, that, that means from the sky. Now, you can talk about missiles, or you can talk about comets that might hit the earth. Just saw another little thing on a channel talking about the possibility of the earth being hit by a comet. And it is rare. 
but there are always movies about how they're trying to stop comets from hitting the world. See, in the evolutionary scheme, that's what happened to all the dinosaurs. A comet hit the world and, and killed them all. But in our day, boy, listen to verse 12. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Okay, this is the first statement that gives an indication as to the chronological time in which Jesus is talking about here. Because before the earthquakes, a nation against nation, etc. Before this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. A lot of people think that Jesus is talking about Judgment Day here. No, he's not. He's talking about what's going to be happening in his time. And in his time, what's going to be happening? Well, in verse 20, you will see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And he makes it very clear that there's not going to be one brick left upon another. So most scholars believe that what Jesus is talking about is the fall of Jerusalem that occurred in 70 A.D., but prior to that time, of course, uh, people were delivered up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. In, in fact, do you remember a certain individual by the name of Saul? He went out persecuting Christians, put them in prison, and some of them died because of that. Well, this was all before the fall of Jerusalem. Now, the next statement is somewhat interesting. That as you are delivered to the synagogues and prisons and brought before kings and governors, this, verse 13, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Wow. Well, one would wonder, what would God say when this happens? He sees it as an opportunity for witness. I think I might have mentioned this, but I want to mention it again. I have a good friend in California who listens to the program, and he was telling me that he has a kind of a, a different approach to witnessing. Uh, a lot of people attempt to proselytize, he says, which means persuade a person that they ought to become Lutheran. But he has a different approach, and he calls it one of clarity to make clear what we believe. And in fact, I, I've attempted this uh, a few times recently, and it really works out pretty good. Uh, the way I do it is I had some people who are interested in coming to adult instruction, so I met with them ahead of time, and I asked them the question, what is there about Lutheranism that may disturb you? And if they did answer, I realized it was something that Lutherans don't really believe and teach. 
Uh, for example, if somebody said, nobody did, but if they said, as some have said, Lutherans believe they're the only ones going to heaven, well, well that's not true at all. Uh, heaven isn't a place only for Lutherans. It's a place for all Christians. And so if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him with your mouth, believe that he's risen from the dead, that he is your Savior, you are a Christian, regardless of your denominational affiliation. In fact, uh, I was talking in the Bible class, and one of the members mentioned that he had a good friend in college who was Mormon. And yet, boy, he sure sounded like he was Christian. And I mentioned a concept that had been given up by Francis Pieper, who wrote some wonderful books on theology, and he called it Felicius Inconsistency, or Happy Inconsistency, where someone may be even a member of a cult, which means they're not Christian, the cult isn't, but the faith they have in their heart is Christian, and they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just like you might have a Lutheran who may be affiliated with the Lutheran Church, but disagree with the fundamental doctrines of the Bible and therefore is not saved. So, what counts is when God looks at your heart to see what faith you have there. But isn't this an interesting concept that being persecuted provides us with an opportunity to bear witness? In fact, uh, there's some traditional stories. Uh, Paul, who was imprisoned, and in those days, oftentimes a Roman guard was placed over him, and guess what? He would speak the message of Jesus Christ, and there's a chance that that Roman guard became a Christian. We do know that in Philippi, the jailer there, he became a Christian. And how did that come about? Well, when the apostles were put into prison, it says they sang hymns. Now, if you don't like your sermons, listen to your hymns. Because the uh, hymns have great sermonic material in them. And so he came to faith, he and his whole household. Now, verse 14 is helpful for us. Settle it, therefore, in your minds. And, and you would think it would say something like, to decide beforehand how you are going to answer those who are persecuting you. No, it doesn't say that. It says, settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. Wow. Uh, how many times are you going to go to a meeting and, boy, you're thinking, what shall I say when I get in that meeting? Or maybe you're applying for a job. Uh, how can I best put my best foot forward, this sort of thing. And we meditate and we plan on all this. Well, the Lord says in regard to your witnessing, you don't need to meditate beforehand. So some of you may be asking, well, then how do I answer? And guess what? I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Now, you know who did that best. None other than Jesus Christ. 
Uh, for example, if you thought that somebody was going to come to you and say, should we pay taxes to that hated Caesar or should we give to God, and you meditate upon this, you might come up with all kinds of answers as to how you might reply to that question. What did Jesus say? Uh, give me a coin, please. Whose visage is upon that coin? Caesar. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. Jesus again and again gave answers that kept his opposition silent. In fact, when they finally arrested him, they had to do it secretly for fear of the people. And, of course, lies had to be said at his trial. So, that's really kind of comforting. I, I talked about this a little bit in a Bible class recently where I said, boy, if I was told that if I did not deny Christ, I would be thrown to lions, I said, I don't think I have the faith right now not to deny Christ. And I said, that's because God always provides the faith when necessary. Remember, you'll never be tempted to do something without God's help to overcome it, and he will provide a way of escape. Well, we call this adrenaline, spiritual adrenaline. We, we've all heard stories, a woman is driving her car, and it flips over, and it's landed on her little son. She gets out of the car, and she lifts up the car so others can pull her son out from under the car, and he, she therefore saves him. Now, she normally doesn't have that strength to lift up a car, but when you need that physical adrenaline, wow, you can do things like that. It's the same with spiritual adrenaline. Don't, don't kind of contemplate, boy, if I'm said I'm going to be tortured, will I be able to still be faithful to Jesus? No, God has a promise here that as you trust in him, you can remain faithful to Jesus, and you will also receive uh, the kind of spiritual adrenaline where we are told that when the martyrs were being devoured by lions, they actually had a smile on their face. So who knows what's going to happen? So to, two things here. Don't try and plan if you're going to be persecuted. What am I going to say? Therefore, realize that God, listen to verse 15, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Now, it even gets worse in regard to this persecution. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. Well, Jesus is speaking and he was delivered up definitely by his mother, brothers, and sisters. Remember when he was preaching, people told him, your mother and brother and sisters are outside and they're telling you to stop and come out. And he said, no, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Those who hear my word and keep it. So it's not at all unusual. I had a uh, seminarian who had once been Jewish, and he was assigned to my congregation as what we call a field worker, where he stays in the congregation while he's at the seminary doing work with me. 
He told me that when he left the Jewish faith to become Lutheran, his family had a funeral for him. And they would not talk to him anymore or have him come out to parties or birthdays or whatever. And it reminds us of verse 17. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Then verse 18 is a strange one. But not a hair of your head will perish. What does that mean? If you're going to be killed, and right now in certain countries overseas, Christians are burned to death. Does that not mean that a head of their hair has perished? No. Because this is not the end of life, life here on earth. You will be in heaven with a new body. Your hair will not have perished. And that's the comfort that we have as Christians. Now, this could really be an interesting Bible passage to preach after the election. Because there are some who feel that this is an election coming up we've never really had before where Christianity is at stake. Uh, what do I mean by that? I don't ever remember when President Eisenhower or Kennedy or Carter or Nixon or Reagan ever had an opponent who was arguing against the continuance of Christianity or making fun of Christians or, or saying that they're backward people and they need to change. But today, we have those who are saying that Christianity is sexist. It doesn't uh, permit homosexual marriage. It's uh, against women because we're opposed to abortion uh, and a number of other things. And we're beginning to see now that there are Christians who are being persecuted, not just in the world, where some of them even die for their faith, but even here in North America. For example, in Canada, a pastor put up on his sign verses from the Bible against homosexuality, and he was fined by the Canadian government. You say, well, that will never happen in the United States because we have freedom of speech. Oh, yeah? How about that baker who was fined over $100,000 because he refused to bake a cake for a gay marriage? You see, there is a real possibility that the big thing that's going to happen is the choosing of Supreme Court justices. And why is that important? That is important for one very simple reason, that this is something a president can do that cannot be reversed by the next president. So while we pastors are not to get involved in politics to the level of telling you specific people who to vote for, we certainly ought to be telling you about specific issues that you ought to be concerned about. So, for example, there are certain politicians who are saying that if the Christian churches do not do gay marriage, they should lose their tax exemption. Well, so be it, because we're not going to do gay marriage. But recognize that this is now on the part of some politicians an attack against the Christian faith. 
I heard one politician say that he was personally against abortion, but he permits it so he doesn't take the freedom away from women who want to have an abortion. Well, well, that's nice. That's like saying, well, I'm personally against putting Jews in ovens, but if there are others who want to do that, I'm not going to oppose it. I'm not going to oppose my religion on them. No, morality is a lot about religion. And so while pastors ought to be really careful when they talk politics that they don't insist on certain votes for people or issues in which the Bible has no specific direction, we still ought to be talking about the big issues of morality. Somebody once asked me, well, could you ever vote for someone who is pro-abortion? And I said, it depends. And they looked at me, what? Oh, well, let's say you only have two choices. Both are pro-abortion. But the one individual says that no abortion took, should take place after 10 weeks in the womb. And the other one says, oh, abortion should take place throughout the whole time of the pregnancy. Well... If you're voting, you would want to vote for the person who says 10 weeks because, unfortunately, politics is the art of compromise. And more and more of that can occur until maybe by God's grace, uh, just like no longer are blacks considered to be slaves, we can get to a point where babies are no longer killed in the womb. But it's a gradual process and you put into place those individuals who are closest to your point of view. Now, if both of them say, no, you can have an abortion all the way up to the time of the birth, well, then you may not vote for either one. You know, but there may be some other issues. You say, take a look at issues. Don't just look at persons. Because a country usually gets what it deserves. And so we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow as to what kind of leadership will be taking over in the presidency, the Senate, the House, uh, states, and so forth. The thing I do want to leave you with, though, is God's still in control. And therefore, his promises still ring true regardless of the outcome of tomorrow. Namely, that God will work out all things in your life for good. Also, that he'll never put you into a time of temptation where he doesn't provide a, a way of escape. Moreover, call upon him in the day of trouble, and he will deliver you. Well, we're still not near the point where, like Caesar, uh, put Christians on poles, that was Nero, and burn them for lighting this garden. There's, there's no doubt that in some areas of the world, things like that are happening. And so it, it's just amazing to me that the news doesn't publicize this. And why they don't do that, I don't know. But I hear of a lot of things that many of you don't hear on your regular channels uh, because of the specific kinds of newsletters, and information that I receive as a pastor. We, we pastors need to provide the laity 
with the ammunition used against the devil. And though you don't meditate on the specific words that you're going to say, the more you attend church and Bible classes, the more you are able to use the armor of God, which he gave you in your holy baptism. And that armor of God is also the sword of the Spirit, which refers to the Word of God, because God says in verse 15 of Luke 21, For I will give you a mouth in wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So, that's a really interesting verse to use. It would be somewhat different in application depending on what happens in the election. But uh, there's also two other great passages from Malachi and Second Thessalonians that can be preached on also. want to make one housekeeping note. Uh, many in the St. Charles area are aware that at Trinity Lutheran and Orchard Farm each year uh, they have a sausage dinner. And that is going to be coming up this Sunday. It's all you can eat. It starts at noon till about 7 at night. And it occurs in the school gymnasium. So go on Highway 94. And about 5 miles from 370, you will see the school on the left. Park and come on in and enjoy. And there's also takeout available. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow with Mark Smith. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday at this time on Worldwide KFUO. For a contribution to the program, make your check payable to Law and Gospel and mail it to Pastor Tom Baker, Post Office Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. You can call toll-free at 1-877-267-1962 or email lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.